Welcome to Apparently, the podcast for absolutely average parents. I'm Ann Johnsos. And I'm Tracy Weiner. Ann and I have been friends for a very long time. We met right after college. Yeah, and our first jobs as radio producers. We spent our 20s as wing women for each other, and it didn't work out very well. But then it did, and we found the right guys and stood up in each other's weddings. And then we had babies within weeks of each other, so we went from producers to reproducers. We make it look easy. Which brings us to this podcast. We want to discuss topics that interest us and you and provide some knowledge to other average parents. We're average, not experts. So we'll tackle these topics with people who know what they're doing. Yeah, we'll get the experts. And I fully expect to embarrass myself along the way. Yeah, after season one, I'm pretty sure we already have. (laughs) So welcome to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look good. When everybody sees it, they stop and take a look. Apparently, I think we're about to make some of our listeners mad. You are correct. <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't talk about it. So today we're going to talk about a topic that is fairly polarizing. And I think that's a really good term, polarizing. Mm-hmm. And it's about vaccinations. Yes. And in mom circles, parent circles, that is like a word that everyone's like scrams out of the room as soon as it happens. Right. Um, but in the end. There are no winners if we can't listen to each other and um, respect each other's difference of opinions, right? Right. Um, And not try to change each other's minds. Exactly. Because I think a lot of times it's about that. But I respect if you have a different opinion, that is your right and your choice. And and that should be how it is. And you and I each have best friends who disagree with vaccinations. We have, yes, I have friends that uh, do not... Do not agree with vaccinations. Right. So, uh, like I said, we're not here to change anyone's mind, but rather let people make informed decisions. So this all came up because I was I'm just a news junkie and I'm reading a bunch of articles and I saw a lot of coverage lately about the measles. Mm -hmm. Have you seen them? Yeah. In fact, um, I just pulled up an article as we were sitting here. uh, 160 cases of measles in 10 states right now. Yeah. I know Washington state is a big one right now. Arizona, Texas. Yeah. There's been a resurgence of measles across the United States and it's causing a little bit of a backlash against the vaccine critics. So, in fact, so much so that in the last month, this is interesting because I'm a huge Pinterest person, but Pinterest has banned all vaccination searches until they can come up with another solution because I guess it was like unchecked so information, like it was a wild, wild west on Pinterest. So people would search for vaccine information and get maybe possibly misinformation? Yes. And um, Facebook has even taken, I saw an article, including Facebook in that, um, trying to reduce, quote, fake health news on its platform. So, And in doing all this reading, I was reading that there was a representative out of California who's blaming sites like Facebook and Instagram and so on for spreading the false information. Um, And even some states are, I think you pulled, we were talking about this earlier, but uh, some states are trying to make it harder for parents to opt out. Yeah, they're trying to pass legislation that says vaccines are required. Yes. Um, For like, because you can have different um, exemptions, like religious reasons, I forget. But so here's here's one one that really stood out to me in one of the articles I was reading, is that for the first time, the World Health Organization has listed vaccine hesitancy as one of the top 10 global threats of 2019. 
So vaccine hesitancy. So that is yeah. not being sure that they want to do it. Right. Okay. So we both have friends that might be um, anti-vaccine or vaccine hesitant, and they're very passionate about their choices. And I fully respect every family should have that choice and the right to decide how to. It's not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. I, <laughs> right. So, uh, so while I don't necessarily agree about it, I think it's their decision. Okay. So we're bringing in Dr. Sean O'Leary, who's a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Committee on Infectious Diseases, and he himself is an infectious disease specialist out of Colorado. I think he's affiliated with Children's Hospital. Um, Good morning, Dr. O'Leary. Hi, how are you? Good morning, Dr. O'Leary. So you were recently in Atlanta for the uh, CDC conference on infectious disease, right? Yeah, it was the meeting of the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. So that's the, that's the body that, that makes the decisions for the, um, what vaccines are used in the U.S. and w- uh, when they're given, that kind of stuff. Okay. So this is very timely then because I, fi- I was trying to find somebody to talk about this and everyone was in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, let's just start with the basics. What exactly is in a vaccine? Or what is a vaccine? What is a vaccine? Um, so a vaccine is something that's given, um, it, it, in general, we think of them as to prevent infectious diseases, but they can be used for other things. But in general, in, in the way we think of them, um, they are something that are given to prevent uh, something, uh, prevent you from getting an infection. Typically, that's by giving you either a killed version of a, you know, whatever organism you're talking about, a virus or bacteria, and uh, your body mounts an immune response to that that killed um, or uh, inactivated disease, um, or in a few cases they're they're live vaccines, so they're they're very weakened versions of the diseases that we're talking about. So the body builds up antibodies to these weakened or dead uh, viruses or bacterial infections, so that when they are around live versions the body has a way to fight that's exactly right so i couldn't i couldn't have said it better myself so um the idea is that the diseases we're trying to prevent are potentially severe and uh and deadly and the by giving these um by giving these vaccines these weakened versions of these um potentially deadly diseases when our body sees those diseases then we don't get sick with them and so that and that's the whole idea Okay, so according uh, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, why? What is their stance, and why a parent should immunize? Well, so clearly, you know, it, it's interesting, kind of thinking back to what you were what you were saying initially about how this is a polarizing issue, and and people are entitled to their own opinions. You know, it, it, that's an interesting way to to put it, but I, I think one of the really important points is that. It, it, this isn't about sort of my opinion, your opinion. It, it's it's really a question of science. And when you pit science versus emotion, that's not really how how science works. So the, the vast majority of scientists in this field, it's not even it's not even you know a, a question that that the benefits of vaccines far outweigh the risks. And that's the AAP's position that the benefits of these things. These are life-saving things we're giving children. And so when you talk about people, you know, sort of entitled to their own opinion, they form those opinions based on, on the other things you were describing, based on misinformation. 
anybody can write anything they want on the internet at any time. And so they see this stuff, it looks really plausible to them, but it's just flat wrong. And and I know that kind of comes off as sounding like I'm saying, I'm right, you're wrong, but we're talking about science. And, and it's, so it's not really a matter of opinion on these things. It's the, the people that have formed opinions that, oh, I don't want to get vaccines. Unfortunately, they're forming those opinions based on misinformation. All right. We all read about Jenny McCarthy and her uh, insinuation that vaccines caused her son's autism. That was that was huge. And I think uh, that was a while ago. But yeah, that was yeah. a huge story. And doctor, what are you hearing from people who uh, say that vaccines are risky? Like, so what are are there any risks to vaccines? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So, yes, of course there are. There are risks in everything we do, whether it's driving to take your child to the doctor's office. Um, that's a very risky behavior when you actually look at the numbers because car accidents are, are so, you know, so common. Um, there's risk in taking a dose of Tylenol. You know, we all give our children Tylenol when they get a fever. Um, and yes, there are some risks to vaccines too. But the thing to remember is that because vaccines are given to healthy people to prevent disease, as opposed to giving a medicine to someone to treat a disease, we're going to tolerate a lot less side effects in a medicine that we're giving as a preventive, uh, as opposed to something that we're giving as a treatment. And so vaccines are held to a much higher safety standard. Um, I think one thing a lot of parents don't realize is that there is actually a very extensive safety surveillance mechanism, several safety surveillance mechanisms in the U.S. that are monitoring vaccine safety all the time to quantify those risks. So some of them are fairly common and fairly obvious. So that's things like some kids will get a fever after a vaccine. That's that's a known common side effect. You'll often will you'll have some soreness at the site of where you get the vaccine. That's a known common side effect. Those are um, essentially signs that the vaccine is working. Your body is responding. Your immune your body's immune system is responding to the vaccine and creating the the immune response we're trying to get. Now the things that people that the, that a lot of the parents who are concerned about vaccines are hearing, those are the things I'm talking about that are misinformation. So it, it, I think it's, it's a, you know, important thing to remember, association doesn't equal causation. So just because something happens right after something, something else happened doesn't mean it was causal. Um, and there are lots of, you know, there are lots of examples of that. And, um, but a lot of parents will, you know, so somebody will say, well, this happened to my child, and I know it was the vaccine. Um, when you actually look at the scientific studies where they look at large populations of people, those things, the, the things that parents are saying happen with vaccines like Jenny McCarthy and autism, that's been looked at from on a scientific level over and over and over again. Um, but then you have these parents who have been fed this belief. So, by, by the way, that whole aut- vaccine and autism stuff started with a, a study in the 90s that was that turned out to be completely fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And the the doctor that led the study lost his medical license. There were, you know, egregious conflicts of interest with that study. So we know that that study was fraudulent. We also know that the science shows that vaccines don't cause autism, but but many parents still have that concern. And that's because a lot of parents will say, well, my child has autism and it was because of vaccines. But just because you believe something really strongly, it doesn't make it true. Right. I read something about, and forgive me because I don't know the details, but people worried about not 
the vaccine or the dead virus or the weakened virus, but what it's in. Some some element of the vaccine that parents said was unhealthy. Oh yeah. yeah. So those, uh, you know, we and we could go over the individual components if you want, but um, I'll give you an example. So um, in in the manufacturing of pretty much anything we take in, whether it's you know medicines or a lot of the foods, if you look closely at the ingredients list, it's whoa, like it's a lot of stuff I don't understand. It's a lot of stuff that's scary. Um, vaccines are no different. They they have a manufacturing process. And to have that process, there are certain steps that have to be taken to make sure that the vaccines are safe and that they're effective. Um, for example, um, one thing that parents sometimes raise uh, as like, this really scares me, it's an ingredient in vaccines, is um, formaldehyde. We all know formaldehyde's bad. Well, we actually all have formaldehyde in our bodies. We excrete it all the time. It's not. It's it's a it's it's commonly in the environment. There's way more formaldehyde in a head of cauliflower than there is in a vaccine. But you don't see people scream. You know, you don't see really? anti-cauliflower people out there. Yeah. So it's so a lot of the stuff that they raise, it's fear-mongering. So they say, oh, formaldehyde, scary, scary. Um, but. You know, the facts are that the amount of formaldehyde that's in vaccines is minuscule. It has no impact on, on our health. So we, we talked about the risks of with vaccinating and the things in it. What about what risks do you run by? And this sounds like a, a silly question, but what risks do you, do you run by not vaccinating? Right. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, the obvious one is what we're seeing. Okay, the measles outbreaks. The, these are these... Um, the measles outbreaks that we're seeing are a direct result of parents choosing not to vaccinate. And uh, measles is not a benign disease. Measles wiped out um, two-thirds of Cuba when it was introduced there in the 16th century. It wiped out 20% of Hawaii's native population in the, in the 19th century, a third of Fiji in the 19th century. Wow. This, I mean, in the last couple of months, 900 children have died in Madagascar from a measles outbreak. This is not that. a benign disease. So, so we're talking about deadly diseases. I mean, a common refrain in my world is that vaccines are a victim of their own success. They work. Vaccines work. So we are not seeing the diseases that our grandparents and great-grandparents saw because in many cases they've been eliminated or in the case of smallpox eradicated. So the, the parents that are raising children today, they have no experience with these things. And so they are more prone to be scared of some theoretical concern that some uh, based on misinformation spread on the internet about the vaccines they're given than they are of the diseases themselves. But we know the diseases that, that we're trying to prevent are deadly. So when you talk about like the risks and benefits, I'm trying to put myself because I, I, I did vaccinate my kids. I, yeah. I, I followed a, there's talk about this too. I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I did a, I think I did, I did a graduate. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So, yeah. Let's, talk, we go. let's okay. talk about the timeline for vaccines. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, doctor, yeah. just to my, so my daughter's I'm 13. I've got a smile on my face. Don't okay. Worry. I have one too, but my daughter's 13. But so back then it might've been around the time. I don't remember when McCart when Jenny we, we was going on and there was like a huge thing. Uh, back then when our daughters were born. So I, I don't know why, but I ended up doing it like I spaced it out. Uh, is there anything to that? Can you speak to that? And and by the way, doctor, I just want to say, I think my kids got every vaccine on one day. 
Just no. All right. <laughs> now there's well, a couple I visits that. that, that <laughs> I, but, I, but yeah, going according to the recommended schedule is is the best thing that you can do to protect your child. And and I'll tell I'll explain that a little bit more. So. Um, the recommended schedule has been very closely studied for what we call immunogenicity. Do putting these vaccines in at the same time does it, it elicit an immune response? Um, they've been very they've been studied for safety. Once you start spreading those out, they haven't been studied in the same way when you spread them out. You know, because people make up their own schedules and they do lots of different things. Um, that's one issue. The, the bigger issue, I think, is that there is no reason whatsoever to spread vaccines out. It is perfectly fine to give, now no one would do this, but to give 10 or 15 or 20 vaccines at once. Our immune systems can handle that. There's no sort of, the word is biologic plausibility. There's no scientific reason that spreading out vaccines would be any safer than giving them on the same day. Our bodies handle millions of germs every day. We, our immune systems can fire up. I mean, there was a study that, that estimated based on our immune system we could actually handle 10,000 vaccines on one day without a problem. But mommy now, can't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> mommy, mommy couldn't, can't. I so couldn't handle it. The, yeah, so that's where the shots come in. Like, what about spreading out the, the actual shots? And I was, I'm an infectious disease specialist now, but I was a primary care pediatrician for many years. And when parents would bring that up, my response was, you know, that's just torture. Because babies cry if they get a, they get one shot and they cry when they get four shots. If you're bringing them in every other week to get more and more, you know, to, to spread them out, they're crying. You know, you, now you've got four different, you know, episodes of, of crying and being upset as opposed to just one. And that's actually been, been studied that the cortisol levels in babies, so that's a measure of pain, they actually potentiate. So if you're giving... If you're if they're coming back every time you come back, they're getting it's more painful to have yeah. them spread spread them out like that. And in fact, anecdotally, pediatricians report that the babies that the families where they've had them do that, um, the babies are more fearful at future visits. That's exactly so, what happened in my house. <laughs> By eighteen yeah, months, exactly. my son was like, as soon as we got to the doctor's office, he's like. Oh, no. He knew exactly right. what was about to happen. <laughs> right. So there is absolutely no reason from a scientific st- standpoint to spread out vaccines, and there are a lot of reasons not to. Okay. So how do we educate people? And, and again, this is going to sound like the I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing, but how do we educate to ensure that the WHO, um, the vaccine hesitancy doesn't become a bigger problem? Well, you know, that's the the bajillion dollar question, right? I think one of the things we know is that it's not just about about the facts. It's not just about, um, you know, here are the facts. It's it's also about how you convey those facts in a meaningful way so that it's understandable to to the population and, and they're receptive to the information. Um, and, you know, peer-to-peer networks are important. And and here's a here's something really um, that, that I think is important for your listeners is that the vast majority of parents actually do vaccinate, even though in some circles it seems like every other parent is against it. Most parents actually do vaccinate, and I think as time goes on, we're seeing more and more of those parents having a voice um, with you know, kind of pro-vaccine parents talking with, with other parents and sort of promoting, you know, why they decided to vaccinate. So I think that's an important point is that, you know, don't don't stay silent. Explain why you vaccinate. Explain, you know, if, if you're in favor of vaccinations, you know, 
share that with with other parents. That's really important. Your influence matters. Um, you know, from our perspective, from the the advocates' perspective, the AAP does a lot of work in this arena. In terms of um, you know, our website healthychildren.org is really uh, nicely geared towards parents, towards understanding what um, you know what's behind vaccines. Why do we give them? Going somewhat into the science, and then there are, we all there. Are Lots of great resources for vaccine information that are out there, and I think promoting those is helpful. So immunize.org, um, AAP website, the CDC website is is, is excellent. Now, there's, uh, I mean, I could name a bunch of others. The uh, several children's hospitals have really good websites, like Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and, and Johns Hopkins. So there are lots of good good resources out there. I think. For, from a parent's perspective, you have to be really careful where you get your information um, because in the Internet age, like I said, anybody can say anything they want, and there's no one fact-checking a lot of the stuff. So I think looking at, at professional organization websites, looking at like the AAP, looking at governmental websites like CDC, yep. and, then, and then large academic institutions, those are going to be the best sources of information as opposed to sort of smaller kind of conspiracy theory oriented websites. So do you think that um, for those that are um, hesitant, that there's a little bit of like, this isn't going to happen to me and my family, like, so they're, they're realizing they're just looking at it as the risks outweigh the benefits of this. And my kid isn't going to get measles. So it'll be fine. Yeah, I think that I think that does. I mean, you know, there are some people who who are more sort of allegiant to the social contract of of kind of you know I'm going to do this to help both protect my child and to protect the rest of the the country and the rest of my my community. Um, and there are other people who really are focused more just on their own sort of little world. And but in either case, the benefits of vaccinating outweigh the risks for their own child. I think that's that's clear. Now I understand how some parents, you know, how they end up choosing it. It's they're they're trying to do what's best for their child based on what they know. I, I get that, you know, and I I, I really don't want to want to um, say anything bad about parents who've chosen not to. I mean, they're they're doing what they believe is the best thing for their child. Right. But what I can say is is what I know the facts to be, and 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 I can say what I know that that scientists say. Um, I'll just tell you really quickly about a study we did um, here in Colorado where we were trying to to see how much do parents value vaccinations sort of in in the, the in kind of the perspective of other things and so what we we looked at was choice of day, child care of daycares and schools and so we we pitched a hypothetical to parents and said this was to moms actually and said okay let's there let's say there are two daycare centers you've heard good things about both of them they cost the same but one of them has a really good vaccination rate almost no one is not vaccinated and then another one has a lower vaccination rate. How much further would you be willing to drive to go to the one that has the higher vaccination rates? And as it turned out, um, parents were much more were willing to drive quite a distance to protect their children from vaccine-preventable diseases. And what was really interesting was that was true not among the not just among the parents who were already accepting of vaccines, but that was also true among the parents who can, who were vaccine hesitant, who who were a little bit resistant to vaccines. They were also more willing to drive further what? to protect their child. Yeah, to protect their child from vaccine-preventable diseases. So I think you know there is there is part of this kind of. Um, yeah, I, I I know that I know that these things are potentially dangerous. These vaccine preventable diseases, 
but even though I'm concerned, you know, I don't want to get the vaccine for my own child, but I'll, I'm, be, I'm willing to drive further to protect them from those diseases. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Here's one that uh, I think has some controversy to it. Uh, the HPV vaccine. I know when it first came out, there are a lot of stories about, well, you know, do you tell your 12 year old what it is? Um, then do you have to explain what sex is? What have you heard uh, in terms of acceptance of the HPV vaccine? So it's going up, fortunately. I think so here's the issue. I think that vaccine got framed all wrong from the get-go. I think parents got scared when they heard maybe it was an STD vaccine. But, you know, this is actually, this is a cancer vaccine. This is to prevent cancer. Um, the HPV virus is what we would call a ubiquitous virus. It's everywhere. Almost everybody actually gets this virus. Uh, so it's not something that we think of as like only, you know, only people with risky behavior. Almost everybody actually eventually gets exposed to this virus, um, and it's not just through sex. And so uh, this is one where I think there was, you know, perhaps some mistakes in the rollout of the original vaccine and in the original messaging, but this is a cancer vaccine. There are 4,000 cancer deaths every year in the U.S. from cervical cancer. Almost all of those are preventable with a simple intervention, of the, the simple intervention of the vaccine. So I think, you know, more uh, there was there was also initially some resistance among providers because for the same reasons, I think providers are now on board with the vaccine. They've seen the science. They understand why we give the vaccine. Um, and I think parents are starting to come around on, the, uh, on that well, although we're we're well below where we would like to be. Um, but it, this is it's one of the more important vaccines we give, to be honest, because there there's still so much of a burden of disease in the U.S. And, and, and I'll just. Um, kind of piggyback on that. The facts are that this is actually one of the, in terms of, of actual reactions, one of the safest vaccines we give and also one of the most effective vaccines we give in terms of prevention of disease. No kidding. Yeah. Good to know. Well, so that, but that's, that doesn't come out until when you're like 11 or 12, right? I right. forget. Was right. You can start it as early as age nine. Um, and the AAP's recommendation is, is to give it between nine and 12, kind of whenever it, it works best for your family. So for example, um, the 11 year visit, um, the, the, what people have called the immunization platform, the adolescent immunization platform, there's the, the, Tdap vaccine, which is for uh, tetanus diphtheria pertussis, the meningococcal vaccine, which is for meningitis, and then and then the HPV vaccine. Um, but what you could do if you don't, you know, if your teen doesn't or your 11 year old doesn't want to get three shots at once, is give the HPV vaccine at age. It's a two dose series at that age, at age nine, and then at their next visit at age 10, and then they're done. Okay. Um, so I read somewhere. Uh, this is switching gears just a little bit, but I read somewhere that one of every five pedi U.S. pediatricians uh, drops families who refuse to vaccinate, mostly in the areas where, like, um, in, maybe in Washington or when that Disney, there was a Disneyland outbreak oh, a couple of years ago. Um, does that, I've, I've never heard of that before. Does that still happen? Yeah, you know, I think you're you're actually referencing uh, one of our one of my studies. Um, we we did a survey several years ago on on that practice, dismissing family for refusing vaccines, and it's very interesting actually how that um, it, it's very regional and it tends to be uh, it, that practice is actually much more common in the South um, than it is in the West. Okay, um, but I think. 
at least at the time we did that survey. We're working on a follow-up survey to that because my impression is that that has actually changed quite a bit since the Disneyland measles outbreak. That outbreak got a lot of media attention. And as a result, there was a lot of sort of Internet chatter among parents who who were very pro-vaccine. And all of a sudden, you had parents saying to their pediatricians, you know what, you know, I really like you, but if you uh, are going to accept non-vaccinators in the practice where my child might get an infectious disease, I'm going to find a practice that doesn't. Wow. And so you had, yeah, so you had pressure from parents in practices asking pediatricians to take this stance. And, you know, and then the other side is that, that is pediatricians, they know the science, they know that vaccines, that, that the benefits of vaccines far outweigh the risks. And, you know, so it's, it's so far from their philosophy to not vaccinate that, you know, they, they in good conscience will sometimes take that, that um, position that, you know what, I can't in good conscience take care of your child if you're not going to vaccinate because I know how important it is. And so, yeah, I think, I think there are quite a few practices that are doing that today. I bet it was part of your study. <laughs> it sounds like that other study with the child care question. Thank you so much, Dr. O'Leary, uh, for kind of spelling it out and walking us through it. Um, you know, there's science and facts, and it's important to know all of that and not make it an emotional thing. Exactly. You were great, and you, um, you made us feel not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are not stupid. <laughs> Well, I, it's funny because I'm like, I get nervous talking about this because I know that there's people that are very, very passionate about it and uh, on the opposite way. And like, it's just, it's a tough topic. <laughs> it it is a tough topic. It's really tough. I know. Believe me. I, when pe- when I'm at a cocktail party and people find out what I do, I get cornered and it's no fun. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if, yeah. if we ever have cocktails with you, we yeah. won't talk about we, this. We won't. We won't back you in the <laughs> corner, doctor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Sean O'Leary, uh, American Academy of Pediatrics uh, Committee for S- Infectious Diseases. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. So apparently we've either honked off half of our listeners or we've, you know, solidified or justified their decision. Right. And um, as I, we said, it's a difficult conversation. Um, I, I really liked talking about it because I, I think science is interesting. I, I really liked Dr. O'Leary. Um, but we're not telling anyone what to do. Right. We're just we're just putting the facts out there um, and what the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatri- Pediatrics, what, what they're all saying and the science behind it. And at the end of the day... Um, Again, it's just about having respect for everyone's opinion and doing what's best for your family. Right. And uh, civility. Let's keep it civil. Yes. We'd love to hear from you about this, like how your family arrived at your decisions, um, what you wish others would understand about your decision for or against vaccines, being vaccine hesitant. What is that? The new word. I I hadn't heard that one before. Yep. 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 So check out our Facebook page. Give us a call at 331-704-0046. Or you can email us at apparentlypodcast at gmail.com. This is a WGN Plus podcast. I'm Ann Johnsos. I'm Tracy Weiner. Thanks for listening to Apparently. We make it look easy. We make it look easy.